Father in the heavens, please bow with me, friends, or turn your hearts to the heavens. Yahweh, please recall upon your name to intervene and to participate in this meeting. Um, though uh, only you know how hard I've worked to get this material together, and only you know, Father, where the mistakes are. I ask with my brothers and sisters here that you cause every good thing to go deep and bear good fruits, and everything else, Father, just to brush aside. We commit our praise, our worship all to you, Father. We are delighted to be here with your people. I pray, Yahweh, that you grant us the ability to get our hearts knitted together and to love one another fervently. In the name and through the blood of Yahshua, the Messiah. Hallelujah. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I'm Michael Bannock from um, Fulton, Missouri. May every grace of Yahshua be yours. The title of my remarks today is Golden Gate Contentment. You're in for a honey of a ride. Brace yourself for a long journey. I'm going to take you today to diverse places in the Bible. I'm going to take you to diverse places on the earth. And the journey will end at the very center of your heart. Lots of people out there talking about contentment. You can bang on the internet, look at YouTube, lots of people talking about contentment. I'll be pitching it to you in a way you will never forget. Heaven help me. For our first tour, I want you to think something through with me. I would like you to consider the New Covenant writings from the book of Matthew up through and including the book of Jude. These books introduce us to a new covenant where the laws of Yah are written on our hearts and Yahshua promises to abide in us with his Father. And we are coached and admonished on how to manage this precious, this precious privilege throughout these writings here up through Jude. How do you manage that? How do we manage our relationship with Yahweh? How do we get our hearts right? How do we connect with each other? Those are some of the great themes of Matthew through Jude. Until the book of Revelation comes along. Please think about it. The book of Revelation slams us against a backdrop of international horror, violence, famine, war, natural and man-made disasters. A third of mankind dies here, another third dies over there. A world characterized by commerce, materialism, idolatry, rebellion, murder, human trafficking, and political intrigue. The whole theme changes into this mind-boggling environment. While all of this is going on in the book of Revelation, we are told to be watchful for ourselves, our walk, and our faithfulness. It is on this basis I'm going to take you on a much longer tour. I'm going to ask you to consider with me some geopolitical factors. This is not a political message. Trust me. I beg you to trust me. I might have to remind you of that a few times. But there's definitely a big-time spiritual lesson embedded in this. Together, we're going to see how current geopolitical events affect us. We will also assess whether our response to all of this has been adequate in the eyes of heaven. Come on, friends. There are times when you feel like we've just all been duped by the world around us. Aren't there times you've ever felt like you've been played by the news, Madison Avenue, just the world in general, Hollywood? Our first stop on this second tour, we're going to turn now at some other scriptures that apply. I'm going to read to you a passage from Genesis 22. 
Verse 15 to 17, for those of you in the audio outreach. And the angel of Yahweh called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. And he said, By myself I have sworn, saith Yahweh. For because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed, as the stars of heaven, and as the sand of which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. I want to underscore the last phrase there. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. All I want you to get out of this is that if you own the gate of your enemies, that's good for you and bad for him. Okay. Notwithstanding to reason, if my enemy owns my gates, uh, that's good for him, that's bad for me. And uh, that's the only thing I want to extract from that, from that passage. Owning the gate of your enemies, this business of controlling gates. Now we're going to look at a prophetic curse in Deuteronomy 28, verse 57. This is just a snippet. Moses is granted a vision of the future. Yahweh speaks to him and tells Israel what's going to happen when they fall away. And toward her young one that cometh out from between her feet, it's talking about a mom, and toward her children which she shall bear. For she shall eat them for want of all things secretly in the siege, and the straightness wherewith thine enemy shall distress thee in thy gates. I emphasize, wherewith thine enemy shall distress thee in thy gates. Well, there you have it. If you own their gates, it's good for you, bad for them. If they control your gates... It's good for them and bad for you. That's all I want you to get out of this. What goes on at these gates? How about commercial flow? At the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, they had to lock the gates because some knuckleheads were trying to bring commercial activity through the gates. Do you remember that story? Commercial flow goes through the gates. Judicial decisions, for example, the um, marriage between Ruth and Boaz was sealed publicly with the elders at the gate. We have early passages in Isaiah which talk about um, having elders at the gate. Like that's a, a blessing to have people render decisions there. And then, of course, you have the flow of people, immigration and emigration, people coming and going. It would seem like a good idea to control these gates with so many things going on there. You don't want your enemy controlling your gates. Well, it turns out that word gate, if you look it up, it has, has a broad meaning. Like so many Hebrew words, there's a bouquet of meanings possible. Let us now think in terms of uh, how these gates have activities that play out at a much larger scale uh, today. And what's going on at the gates around the world is much worse than you could imagine on your own. Now, this is just an initial chart, just a, you know, a, a starting chart. Um, well, this little mouse may not work, so I may have to draw your attention to certain parts of this just by emphasizing them verbally. But it's a list of selected gates around the world. On the left-hand side, these are uh, navigational gates, ports, seaways. On the left-hand side, I've listed uh, seven ports that were formerly under the control of Britain or the United States. Suez Canal, Panama Canal, Hong Kong, Gibraltar, the Aden Port of Yemen, 
the Singapore ports, and the Malta ports. Now, 1967, that would be the second column from the left, they were controlled either by Britain or the United States. Now, I know it says Egypt there. That's because Britain's control of the Suez Canal region only lasted for a while. It was kind of spotty. But at that particular point in time, 1967, Egypt did have control of the Suez. But believe me, Britain um, did have control for it for a while. You get to the turn of the century, about 20 years ago, you find that the control now has transitioned. It's, uh, Suez control is uh, commanded by Egypt, who owns the property. The United States surrendered control of Panama Canal to Panama. Hong Kong was, became an autonomous region, and the communist Chinese were given 50, they gave 50 years agreement to leave Hong Kong alone, just leave it alone. They were going to be an autonomous region, kind of a bridgeway between the rest of the world and China. The Straits of Gibraltar, Britain used to control that. Now the United States has naval vessels there making sure that there's safe passage for everybody. Then uh, the port of Aden in uh, Yemen. Now the Yemenites have control of that. Britain has also surrendered control of the ports in Singapore and Malta. I'm only talking now about commercial ports. Just, just commercial parts. There's so much more to this topic I'm raising. But suddenly, it's after the turn of the century, the communist Chinese nation got a foothold in each of these areas. And that would be the fourth column from the left, communist Chinese presence. Uh, the Gulf, uh, pardon, in the Suez Canal area, they built a new terminal for the Egyptians, and they did a broad general investment of the whole area. In Panama, the Chinese government bought the entire Margarita Inland port on the Atlantic side. Hong Kong was just simply taken over within the last few months. You saw it on the headlines. They just took it over. Now, when I went to China, I had to pass through Hong Kong. It was just the best way to land in Hong Kong and then be driven into the Shenzhen district, the new high-tech enterprise zone. The, the lack of freedom was so thick when you crossed into communist China, you could bite it. I couldn't get the internet access I was accustomed to here. When you like access a newswire, they strip out all the comments if they let the web page get through. On my return, I had more time to spend in Hong Kong, and I, I really wanted to go back there one more time. It was like being here. I had some, some Christian kids come up and give me a survey, and everybody was happy. And... <laughs> You could just feel it in the air, guys. You know, we do have discernment, don't we? It's all gone now. The communist Chinese went in there and took over. The Straits of Gibraltar, well, the American Navy still guarantees safe passage, but China has two presences there. One is uh, the port of Algeciras, where they've invested heavily. The Aden port in Yemen, China has built a new port there for $507 million dollars. In the Singapore port system, they built three new berths under the sponsorship of Costco. How many people recognize the word Costco? Not Costco, not the, the purchasing club, but the, uh, these are shipping containers you'll see on the railways going by. COSCO, China Overseas Shipping Company. You'll see lots of pictures of Costco shipping containers in the next few minutes. And another Chinese company called CM Ports has um, invested heavily in the Malta Free Port. That's just a taste, just, just a, like a dot on your tongue of what's going on out there. 
Here's what they do. They um, found out that they don't have to flat out own something. They have an inordinate amount of influence, as you find in a while how this works. There's four ways the communist Chinese government gets a foothold on these gates. Outright purchase, like the Panama Margarita Island port in Panama. There's the long-term lease game, like they did in Darwin, Newcastle, Darwin and Newcastle, Australia. The Gwadar port in Pakistan. Then there's the partial ownership investment game, which they do most of the time. That's in the Malta Freeport, for example, the Suez region, the Valencia port in Spain. And then there's the debt trap game. We're going to look at uh, some of these cases, including the Mombasa port in Kenya, the Hambantota port in uh, Sri Lanka as well. well. I want you to fasten your seatbelts. You're going to see a whole lot of ports. You're going to have over three dozen locations. The Al Jazeera's port, heavy investment. The Algeria, there's the politicians and the communist Chinese shaking hands. Now, that's a dumpy-looking port there in Algeria. It looks like just fishing boats and recreational vehicles. When the communist Chinese get through with it, it'll look like a brand-new world-class port. Then there's the Darwin port in Australia. I gave you two slides here. First, a map view of where it is strategically. Um, the Darwin port is one of the great international tragedies. I urge you to bang on the internet and look this stuff up yourself. Here's what happened. Let's tap the brake here. The Northern Territory of Australia, I'll go back to the map. They um, had a major building project from Japan. Big, big building project from Japan. Lots of money coming in, lots of jobs, lots of cash flow. And the government did what any government would do. They blew the money. They just blew the money. They you know, they raised their, their uh, salaries and government uh, programs and giveaways, public services. And when the Japanese building project stopped, you know, concluded, they still had this big-time budget but no cash flow. So they proceeded to go into a death spiral. They were sinking fast. And then the communist Chinese came along and says, we can help you. We'll give you this big bag of money. You give us a 99-year lease on this part of Darwin. And according to the laws, there's a loophole in the Australian laws that the municipalities there did not have to disclose that deal to the federal government of Australia. When it finally came out into the open, everybody blew their top. Look it up. Now, what makes it more interesting, we'll talk about this more in a bit, what makes it more interesting is that's a stone's throw away from a port where U.S. Navy ships go. Are you starting to get nervous? And there's a Newcastle port in Australia, heavy investment there. The Antwerp Gateway port in Belgium. There's the Zigruji port in Belgium. There's the Egyptian Suez Canal. That, Like I said, they had broad Chinese development in the overall area. There's the Egyptian port of Said. That there is, um, on that big boat, is shipping containers. These, I know they look kind of tiny because there's so many of them. Those would occupy a single railway car as they shuttle around America. The France-Dunkirk port, the France-Le Havre port, the France-Marseille-Foss port, the France-Nantes port, heavy investment in all these. The Greece-Piraeus port is a particular international scandal. Oh, good grief. Um, a little history. Some, some of you are from my generation. Do you remember Jackie Onassis? Huh? She, uh, she was married to the president, and when he was assassinated, she was kind of floundering. After her brother-in-law, Bobby Kennedy, was assassinated, she was convinced that 
the nation was going crazy. Okay, so she wanted out. And so she married a, a guy named Aristotle Onassis, who was a big shipping magnate. A lot of people don't know this, but the contours of the shoreline of Greece are very uh, wiggly. And so it lends itself to having a lot of ports. And it became an, a port, an entryway for commercial shipping and commerce to go through there. Over time, these Greek shipping magnates were like big tycoons. And what you're looking at here with the port of Piraeus is one of the remnants of that era when the Greek shipping tycoons uh, had dominant influence over international commerce. Well, Greece has always been in trouble. And uh, they, um, they, they did this long-term lease thing with China there because they were broke. They were just broke. Let's tap the brake. I checked it out. Every nation on the face of the earth is in debt. How did this happen? Who do they owe the money to? If they owe it to each other, couldn't they just sort of cancel it out and reset all those negative numbers to like zero plus and minus or something? The Jakarta port in Indonesia, the Genoa Vado Reefer Terminal in Italy, that's a cute place. It's only got room for one ship, but the stuff is immediately loaded on the railway line just behind it on that curve. The Genoa port is a new port in Italy. There's a photograph of Chinese diplomats and the um, Italian some Italian representatives at this new port. They're building new ports and they're investing in ports. Now here, I don't know why the Japanese allowed this. The Nagoya port, heavy investment there. The South Korea Busan port. The Malta Freeport, that's a big one, look at that. The Morocco Soma port. The Euromax port in the Netherlands. The Gwadar port in Pakistan. The Panama uh, Balboa port. The Panama Margarita Island, which they own outright. The Sri Lanka Colombo port. Now the port is actually in the background. The foreground is an artificial island that the communist Chinese made. Think about it, an artificial island for <clears throat> future use. Future use. Just think about that. There's not a thing Sri Lanka can do about that. The Hambantota port, that was, that was a great international tragedy. Uh, Sri Lanka missed some debt payments. This is the so-called debt trap diplomacy. These countries are, are strapped for money. They're going broke. They're sinking fast. And the communist Chinese come in and say, boy, we got a lot of money you could use. Sri Lanka took a loan. They missed some payments. And the only way out was another 99-year lease on the Habantota port. Total control for 99 years. The Singapore port system. Major investment there. The Barcelona port in Spain. The Bilbao port in Spain. The Valencia port in Spain. The Eurogate in Tangier. The Thailand Liam Khabang port. Another big one. The Turkey Ambarli port. The Turkey Kum port. The Felixstowe port in the UK. In uh, East Africa, the Djibouti port. Now there's four ports here I want to draw your attention to. At the outset of the agreement where they made investments and got long-term access they stipulated that it's a dual-use port. Dual-use means we can have our cargo shipping containers going in and out, and we'll have a little part over here for our Navy. That's their dual-use. In the uh, Mahi Island, the uh, Seychelles region, there's a, the Victoria port that will become a dual-use port. Looks kind of dinky right now, but when the Chinese get through with it, it'll look pretty, pretty impressive. In Africa, Nambia, there's the Valvis Bay port, another dual-use port. And finally, the Soatome port in Princip, sorry, Soatome Princip, that really is a country. 
And that's going to be a dual-use port. Now, right now, it looks kind of dumpy, doesn't it? Wait till they get through with it. There'll be a shipping input-output port there, and on the, uh, nearby, it's going to be a military port. There's the Aden port in Yemen. In this case, I gave you an aerial map showing its strategic location there, just below Saudi Arabia. That's uh, Yemen there, the light-shaded district. They're... Uh, They've got a heavy investment in that as well. They're thinking long-term. Then there's the Hong Kong port. That's in the headlines now. They own the whole thing. That's it. Ball game over. The uh, Hong Kong people had were looking forward to 50 years of freedom, maybe gradual transition to absorption by Red China. This one, I'm going to put a little quality time into, the Mombasa port in Kenya. I have three friends from Kenya, including our dear local brother here. And um, <clears throat> activists here in this headline, activists raise concern over China taking control of Mombasa port. The planned merger between Kenya Ports Authority, Kenya Railways Corporation, and Kenya Pipeline Company by the government has attracted fierce opposition from human rights activists and transport sector players. Believe me, there's a reason I'm putting you through all this. There is zero public participation, they say. There's zero input from the parliament. There's zero input from the stakeholders, including the Kenya Transporters Association. It can only mean that it is not good for the country, lamented one of the activists. Here's what happened. Kenya got another one of these debt trap diplomacy loans from communist China. They missed some payments. And according to the deal, the Chinese could take over the Mombasa port. Okay, it's not clear whether they were allowed to own it flat out or whether it would be another one of these 99-year leases. What's interesting, I can't get into the straight story on this. And now one news item, I was trying to research this Mombasa port. It's all under secrecy right now. What's really going on? One of the news reports, uh, one of the news reporters said that they are afraid of having meddling in their elections because they just finished meddling in the Malta elections. This was about three weeks ago. And um, the fear is that when the communist Chinese get their claws in an area, it is in their interest to steer the outcome of the elections their way. Let's talk about this election interference. For example, there are certain regions of the United States that sell uh, food products, agricultural products to the Chinese. Well, because their voting patterns don't, uh, don't seem attractive to the communist Chinese, they have canceled many of those orders. That's a style of meddling in elections through fi- financial power. This is a map. I don't know how well it showed. Oh, it shows up pretty good on the screen there. This is a map from one of the articles. There's so many. Um, it's from Financial Times, How China Rules the Waves. It shows you how they uh, domineered uh, certain, you know, many shipping pathways around the world. This is part of their One Belt, One Road initiative. Okay, we're now on our third tour. We concluded our tour of world gates, just shipping gates, under either outright control or heavy influence by the communist Chinese. I haven't talked about land-based ports, the 16 plus 1 initiative. They want the entire Eastern Europe area to be turned into one giant bridge between China and the West. Um, Look up, uh, when you have a chance, the Stone Park in Eastern Europe. A massive gateway 
it's an intermodal terminal, which means railways can come in and trucks can come in and maybe some other things. Here's the impact of their influence on these international gates. Political leverage over the regions who need the money. Insulation from criticism from, international, from the international community. We'll look at some examples in a bit. Frequent labor violations. Now, you, those of you who know me well know that I'm pro-labor. I'm pro-labor because the Bible's pro-labor. Not necessarily pro-union, but I'm all for the workers and their safety, decent pay. As soon as the communist Chinese get in there, they tear up the labor agreement. Suddenly about two-thirds of the people are laid off. No breaks. They have to beg to go to the bathroom. Um, safety violations, forget it. The safety rules go flying out the window. And of course the profits for these ports go through the roof. They skyrocket. A frequent problem. I had no time to, to crowbar in more than that, those remarks. And number four, they get unexpected visits from the Chinese Navy. Let's tap the brake here. Let's go back in history to see what's going on. We're going to talk a bit about geopolitical realities. <laughs> Believe me, I have no preferred outcome. I'm trying to figure out how all this fits into prophecy. In the book of Revelation, it says that the Tigris and Euphrates rivers are going to be dried up by an angel to make way for the kings of the east. Do you guys remember that verse? Okay, I've wondered for years what that was all about. As a boy, I read that, and I wondered, why would the Chinese or the Indians or the Japanese want to come through there? Well, they have been like kangaroos hopping around the world. Uh, several years ago, uh, uh, a Chinese spokesman said they intend to shoot 300 million Chinese into Africa. They want to take over Africa. Unexpected visits from the Chinese Navy. I'm going to take you back in history. After World War II, the Japanese were asked, what made you think you could run an entire empire on the, the Asian rim of the Pacific from that little bitty island you occupy? And they said, oh, we just were trying to do what the British had done. Because they have a little bitty island too. And they ruled the world. Turn the page. The United States has a, an interesting kind of policy, and it has, a, it has some ups and downs, it has some positives and negatives. But you may have heard on the radio or TV how we will send military assets to a certain part of the world to, quote, protect our interests. What is that about, protect our interests? My interests are here in central Missouri, you know. Well, if I had the time, I could put a slide up there showing you a number of factories in America owned by foreign countries. For example, Toyota and Honda, two great countries, if they're going to sell cars here, they're nice enough to build them here. But you don't see them sending gunboats, battleships, aircraft carriers, and fighter jets to keep an eye on their factories because we're already stable. We're not going to have a revolution. Or, well, up till recently it looked kind of stable, you know, but they don't expect a major upheaval here. On the other hand, when American businessmen or Western businessmen build factories pipelines, agricultural assets overseas. They're assuming that our soldiers will go there and protect that stuff. And that's the excuse we have for moving around the world. Well, we have interests over there. Now, a lot of people resent that. But at the same time, when we go to a region, we tend to be a stabilizing influence. No, really, there's a whole heap of countries left in the world that still see us as liberators and friends and as a stabilizing influence. They want us there. They, they like us there. But this idea of protecting your interests around the world, 
we're more or less benign. We're more or less friendly about it. But the communist Chinese have learned from that example. And now they're using a mere 10% investment in a port. They have an excuse now to send gunboats, uh, submarines, battleships, other military assets around there. Well, we got to keep an eye on our stuff. That's what America does. It's only fair. Are you getting nervous? All right. I told a brother out west of what I was de- developing here. He said, you better be careful that you make it clear you're not speaking against the Chinese people. Let's get that straight. They are a sweet and beautiful people. They only know a little bit about Yahshua, just a little bit, and they're willing to die. I didn't bring it with me. I inherited a book from Brother Jim Still, a Voice of the Martyrs book. Significant number of those stories in there are from communist China. Human rights abuses. Some of this stuff is unspeakable, what's going on over there. I'm not talking about the the wonderful people who live in China. Um, I have been there. They're just like you and me, the same concerns. I'm talking about a criminal government. Human rights abuses, religious persecutions against Christians, the Muslims or the Uyghurs, the Falun Gong. I don't know if you ever go to the big city, you ever seen the billboards for those fancy ballets that come from China, those colorful ballets? I think it's called Shen Fui or something like that. That's the Falun Gong. And um, they're they're constantly being harassed by the government. Then there's the slave labor, the sweatshops. But I want to focus on the blockage of Taiwan on the WHO Council for Coronavirus. Now we're talking about something that's in the headlines and something that's right in our face. I chose a comparison between Florida and the nation of Taiwan. I chose it because Florida has, is one state in the Union that has the closest number of people to Taiwan. Over 700,000 COVID cases in Florida. 514 period in Taiwan. That's the Republic of China. How did they achieve that? This is an open, free, democrat society. They have nothing to hide. Only seven fatalities of COVID in Taiwan. I know it's hard to believe, isn't it? Um, What happened is they took a bloody nose during the SARS virus. And they said, we're going to learn everything we can from that. As soon as they found out about COVID, they shut down every gate. They shut down every gate. Nothing's coming in and out. And uh, they, they did some things that no matter where you are on your opinion scale for the COVID remedy, there's something in there you ain't going to like. But look at that. Super low death care. Even if it's off by a factor of 100, they're still doing a 1,000 times better than the state of Florida. And it's more densely populated. Why was Taiwan suppressed from getting their news out? A nation with religious freedom. Why did that happen? The communist Chinese um, exerted influence over the nations in whom they've made these investments, and they would not allow Taiwan to have a seat at the WHO World Health Organization to report how they suppressed all those fatalities. Because they would lose face, that's why. Let's look at the impact uh, on Sri Lanka. In Sri Lanka, President Maithropala Sirisena suspended a $1.4 billion port city project being built by Chinese companies at Colombo shortly after he took power in 2015. 
Mr. Saracena was wary over China's growing influence as dramatized by two unannounced visits from People's Liberation Army Navy submarine and warship to a Colombo container terminal owned by a Chinese state company in late 2014. In other words, they signed this deal to do an investment at the uh, Colombo port, and one day they look up, and there's a Chinese submarine and and a warship looking back at them. And the story is not on your screen, but the president called China and says, hey, what are these things doing here? And they said, oh, that's part of the deal. And there's nothing he could do about it. Well, the next president come in, and he stopped any further development. So Beijing piled diplomatic pressure on Sri Lanka, using as leverage the huge debts that Colombo had built up with the Chinese state banks. Last July, Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi arrived with an uncompromising message, quote, unless the government pulled all their fingers out and got the project back on track, China would abandon Sri Lanka altogether. Sri Lanka, which has debts of about $8 billion, that's about typical, with Beijing, duly complied. A month later, the government signed an agreement with China. This is the game. You're in debt, we're going to help you, but now you're going to play our way. The Bible tells you the debtor is uh, uh, a slave to the lender, isn't he? Here's another one. I think this will be the last case study like this. Greece has been short of money for decades. When they joined the European Union, they lied about their financial status. And they've been like this. It's kind of like that uh, deadbeat relative that moves in and doesn't want to move out. I mean, the European Union has really struggled with Greece on board. But they were bailed out by the Chinese purchase of Port Piraeus. And another development, okay, so so Greece is now beholden to China. And another development, the European Union decided to condemn China for their human rights violations. Greece vetoed the document, preventing its presentation to the UN. China put pressure on Greece and says, you're not going to, you're going to veto that for us. Saving face means a lot to them. Are you starting to get the picture? It's time to introduce Uncle Kenny's million-dollar question. My Uncle Kenny taught me so much about business. I sure miss the guy. Uncle Kenny's million-dollar question. Where's the money coming from? No matter what enterprise you're contemplating, a project, education, a marriage, anything, you have to know where the money's coming from. Unless you're doing everything yourself, where's the money coming from? We're going to take Uncle Kenny's question and overlay it on the communist Chinese empire. Where did they get all the money for this? Where'd the money come from? The American Enterprise Institute and the Heritage Foundation put their total worldwide investments at $2 trillion. That includes the land gates I haven't got time for, other investments around the world, property they're purchasing all over the place, especially Africa. Now, in another source, I was told the ports that I described to you was about $1 trillion. Where did they get that? Two, that's a lot of dough. Trillion, $2 trillion. So where did they get the money for all this? This is where they got it from. We're just going to have to buck up and accept it. It came from worldwide, worldwide consumers like you and me. Addicted to low-cost products, shall I say low-cost junk, 
and grossly discontent with what we already have. And it also comes from manufacturers discontented with the profits they were already making. Every one of us is on the hot seat here. By the way, this sermon is not for everybody. Let me take that back. It's not for everybody. Some of you have already entered victory in this realm. I talked to a very mature brother back east about where I was going with this. I was trying to explain to him because I was trying to get some feedback. Am I headed in the right direction? I can clearly show these connections. He kept saying, Brother Mike, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, here. I said, uh, I'll give you a safe example. You know, I said, there's some girls out there who have 80 pairs of shoes. Of course, I'm speaking rhetorically. But I said, what if some of those 80 shoes came from China? I mean, you're... You're not content, you know, some some gals are like this. They're not content with the shoes they have. Did some of these come from China, communist China? Where they do unspeakable things to get the leather? He said, oh, I see what you're talking about. He says, says, you know, I used to be into gaming. I think I know what you're talking about. He said, Brother Mike, I don't have time for this stuff. He said, I've been doing prison ministry for a long time. I've been talking to a guy on the phone for a long while, and I just found out he has no dentures. He said, there's another uh, couple of families in my space in, in risk of eviction. I don't have time for all that junk and stuff. He says, I have three pairs of shoes and a pair of rain boots. Hack around shoes, dress shoes, and then a spare set of shoes in case one of those other two go bad. He said, that's all I got. He is so close to Yah's will, doing Yah's work, outreach, ministry to others. He ain't got time for this stuff, all that stuff. Maybe you don't believe me. Let's look at the chart. Now, the fair way to do it is to do trade imbalance, that way you take the money we send over there and subtract it from the money we get from them. You can see the trade balance with communist China skyrocketed as of the turn of the century. And I remember in the electronics industry, everybody was running around saying, we got to have a China strategy. we got to find somebody to make this stuff cheap. And look how everything just wang takes off right after the year 2000. The total dollars sent to communist China since 1985 is about 5.666, ooh, too many sixes there, uh, $5.666 trillion. <laughs> and most of it's been since the year 2000. Where'd that money come from? What that means is there's, there is stuff coming in here we didn't buy in the past from them. Where did this go? I know. Storage centers, garages, attics, a- 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 cellars. This guy here in, in Holt Summit it has that uh, storage center just beyond the McDonald's. If you, go, if you look, he's putting the foundation in for another storage center. People want to save that stuff. They want to keep that stuff. And if I was to make a raid, how many of them would say made in China? Kissed by flames of quality fire in China. You see the trade imbalance is coming down the last couple years. You see that. That's because of recent negotiations with them to take more of our stuff. 
The final data point is actually the year 2020. It's probably not going to be that low at the end of the year, but you can see the overall trend has come down the last couple of years. This money came from worldwide consumers. Well, by the way, this is just the United States. It turns out the United States uh, um, exchange with China is about half of China's exports come here. Half of it. So you just double that number and you have about $11 trillion that have been taken from the pockets of cons worldwide consumers and plopped into the hands of murderers, liars, covenant breakers. Some of the stuff there is unspeakable. And we put the money in their pockets. Well, a couple of statements about strengthening the hands of the wicked. Ezekiel 13.22, because you disheartened the righteous with your lies when I had brought them no grief, and because you encouraged the wicked not to turn from their evil ways and so to save their lives. I just want to underscore this business. Yahweh doesn't like it when we encourage the wicked because they have no reason to change their ways. There's a saying I like, when you're rolling sevens, you don't stop to look at the dice. You know, right now things are going pretty well for communist China. They have no reason to reform anything. Jeremiah 23, 14. I have also seen in the prophets of Jerusalem a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen also the hands of the evildoers that none doth return from his wickedness. They are all of them unto me as Sodom and the inhabitants thereof as Gomorrah. Now my focus right now is how our discontent has fueled and energized the enemies of Yahweh, the enemies of our souls. Yahweh's concerns are higher than mine. He's saying, you know, as long as you make people feel good about where they're at, they're not going to change. By the way, I mentioned here at the bottom, Taiwan versus the People's Republic of China. Taiwan started out as a single-party, I won't say a dictatorship, but it was, it was one-man rule and one-party rule. But what happened to them is they started trading with the rest of the world, and they became more tolerant, and it's now free religion over there. They're very much like us. When we dropped our guard with communist China in the 1970s, we were hoping the same thing would happen with them. We were hoping they'd become more free, open, and democratic. It never happened. It never had. It seems like it's gotten worse. Let's step back a few paces and look at some of the symptoms of discontent. Just discontent in general. I've showed you the impact of our discontent on the international scene. There's ungratefulness. There's debt. Too much stuff. Divorce. Revolutions. These are, all at the, these are all the fruit of discontent. Addictions. Abuse of others. Unintended consequences of the remedies you have because you're discontented. You increase your vulnerability. Most important one, I... Uh, didn't, I, didn't hear, I didn't add this until recently if you're talking to one of the brothers. Loss of faith is probably the biggest one on the list because it was a discontent. Some poor chap back east going back about 40 years ago walked, walked away from the faith because he couldn't find a wife in his time. And at the bottom, one that means a lot to me, shopping sprees and dodging responsibilities. When someone's visited by discontent, um, they might go on shopping sprees to buy things that makes them feel good for a while and dodging their responsibilities, thinking, oh, everything's so oppressive. We're going to look at only a small number of these. Revolutions, 
Absalom built his revolt on a tradition of discontent. Just one verse from 2 Samuel 15, 2. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate, the gate, the gate. And it was so that when any man had a controversy, they came to the king for judgment. Then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is one of the tribes of Israel. And what he would do is take these people, come to Jerusalem for justice. He'd intercept them. He'd get, somehow get justice for them, either revenge or work something out. And when he was done, he'd either hug them or kiss them. The translations are not clear. It took him 40 years to build that rebellion. 40 years to build that rebellion. And when it was time, he took over the palace. He had an awful lot of people discontented with King David. What lies must he have said about the king to get people that fed up? But they're all like this. Hitler, Lenin, Mao Zedong, all built their revolutions on the backs of the discontented. Debt. I'll just say this about debt and then tell you a little possible remedy. It is tragic in the United States how a generation of people who don't like being told what to do can so easily fall prey to the seductive call of modern marketing science. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. But typically, the average American is lured by marketing science. And the debt is evidence that you're not free. As a suggestion, there is a, a Christian-based uh, counselor in the country, pretty well-known, Dave Ramsey. You can look him up, Dave Ramsey, uh, R-A-M-S-E-Y. He has some real clear steps for people to come out of debt. And I urge you to plug into something like that or someone, uh, someone like that to, to get out of debt if that's a problem. Divorce. From census.gov, approximately 1 million divorces occurred in 2019. That means at least 500,000 people were discontented. Maybe both. You know, it's funny, there's a whole lot of guys and girls out there who'd be so happy with just one spouse. Just one. And if they just got a chance, they'd behave themselves, they promise, they make all these vows, I'll be good, I just want a chance. But you have 500,000 people who are not content. Abuse of others. I'm going to talk a little bit about this. Um, can we have well-behaved cops? Now, there's a biblical answer to that question. Remember that the police in John the Baptist's time were the Roman soldiers. In Luke 3.14, And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, John the Baptist, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. Be content with your wages. I want to emphasize that, be content with your wages. By the way, it is possible to have well-behaved cops with proper training, uh, a proper social structure. I believe it's possible because Yahweh's prophet said it's possible. But I want to focus on be content with your wages. I thought this had something to do with a wage dispute or pay raises or something. There's a phenomenon in the country right now being played out in the courts and in the legislative body. So I think there's a solution coming but for the last 10 to 20 years, there's an emerging phenomena called asset seizure. Anybody heard of asset seizure? I see some people nodding their head. But suppose I'm driving down the street and I got a taillight out. The policeman is authorized by law to stop and even inspect my car. If he sees in my suitcase a wad of $10,000 in cash, he can take that. And the assumption is that I did something naughty to get that money, and I have to prove I did nothing wrong to get it back. I'm not kidding you. 
this has been being reported around the country for cars, boats, homes, other things. Asset seizure. People have stuff just taken from them because the police assume you did something wrong and you have to prove otherwise to surrender it. Municipalities around the country. Well, it is being litigated right now, and I think there's an answer. But can you think of anything in the Bible where someone was accused of a crime and his assets were seized? Can anybody think of one? It happened at Calvary. They cast lots for Yahshua's garment. That garment should have been presented to his family. But instead, the soldiers cast lots for his garment. That's asset seizure. Assets, it's, all these problems are ancient. They've been around for, for almost from the beginning. When John tells these guys, be content with your wages, you connect it to the other things. Do violence to no man, neither can accuse any falsely. They had used their, they abused their power. And when they arrested someone, they seized their assets. Those are the fruits of discontentment. Covetousness. Worried about what the other guy said. One report I saw, I hope I got the numbers right. It went something like this. In a survey, people who were making 50000 bucks said they needed $70,000 to meet their objectives. And those who were making $100,000 thought 150000 would do the trick. Seems people are not content no matter where they are. Unless they plug into Yahshua. We're almost done. We get to the biblical meat of this. The unintended consequences of your remedy... Uh, they, this is where you re- try to remediate the thing you're unhappy about, and you make things worse. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, old Samuel the prophet had appointed his sons as judges, and they fell to corruption. Rather than call for reform, the people demanded a king. We want a king. We want a king. The people insisted on a king that, quote, may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. We're going to come back to that in a moment. Yahweh had warned them that the king would be even more abusive and corrupt, and he showed them exactly how it was going to happen. I want to focus on that stuff I highlighted in green. They want a king to judge us, go out before us, and fight our battles. How about a gang? Are you sick of people assuming that voting the right man in office is going to fix everything? You all kind of like fed up with that assumption? Right? Fight our battles. I want to put your minds at ease about something. Because, you know, there's things that displease us going on out there. But have you ever looked at a political candidate or a, a politician or an elected official and you wonder, how did that guy get in office? Who, who would vote for that? What happens is he's managed to convince some people that he'd fight their battles. That's really what it comes down to. A successful politician will be likable to enough people and convince them, I'm going to fight your battles for you. We were rather hoping the politicians would fight our battles and protect our gates, in terms of what comes in and what goes out. Instead of putting controls and fair import controls on the ports, they instead let all this inexpensive stuff come in. We've bought more than we needed. We've hoarded more than we needed. We've got more than we needed. Some of you are already on the path of minimalism, Trimming down, like Yahshua said. They, by the way, they were tricked. These people who wanted that king, they were tricked through a phenomenon called temporal discounting. That's where the consequences of your action are so far in the distance, you don't think they're important. <clears throat> For example, if freedom from debt, <clears throat> excuse me, 
if freedom from debt can be pushed far enough into the future, you say, well, it's not important. I'll take care of that later. Yeah, I know that king's going to do crazy things, but we'll worry about that later. And um, in terms of us being lured by the world around us, I had a lovely talk with um, uh, Daniel and uh, Judy, and uh, they have knowledge of these, this business of psychological conditioning. There are algorithms in the one-armed bandits at the, the gambling places where they give you just enough payback to keep you going. Pay off just enough. And it's an algorithm to keep an eye on you. And um, I don't have to explain the words for you to know what they... Uh, what to, you don't have to explain the words when you hear them. It, uh, she, uh, Sister Judy described the DISC. Uh, it's kind of a SAS strategy for psychological conditioning. Deprivation, where you withhold the reward... Then uh, and the incentive comes sooner or later. That's the I. Then there's the size of the reward. You don't want to reward them too much. You want them just enough so they're addicted. And then C is the uh, contingency. It's like how, how often you, um, you, you have that reward dispensed at a certain schedule. Now, even if I have the details wrong, that's the gist of it. You are being played by Madison Avenue, advertisings, the world around you. Look at photos of the streets going back in the old days in this country. They look bare. I've read that you've been exposed to about 2,000 ads a day when you're in the world. Maybe that's what your soul is resting from when you come to the feast. 2,000 ads a day. This is what we're up against. And the book of Revelation shoves this in your face. This, this world at the end time is highly commercialized, highly materialistic, and even human trafficking in place. So here's the formula. Discontent plus temporal discounting. You buy more of what you don't need. Debt for you. Some foreign manufacturer is made richer and made master. This is not a Buy America sermon, okay? Then there's at the government level, there's government demands for services. The people are discontented. We want more. We want more. There's corruption. There's tax revolt. There's vote buying where they give duties to people, say, yeah, you vote for me because I gave you something. You add temporal discounting, which is the pain of government debt. It goes in way in the future. We'll pay that debt way in the future. We'll kick the can down the road. Spiraling government debt. Debt trap rescue by a foreign power. Loss of government assets. Ports, parking lots, toll roads, utilities and infrastructure. Jose and Jovan, I don't know if you're within view now, my, my Chicago brothers. Maybe you remember the beautiful parking system we had in Chicago. Beautiful, absolutely wonderful parking system. If Chicago ran out of money, they sold it to some European company. And they tore the whole thing down and put up these dumb kiosks that uh, don't work half the time, you know? It, foreign, a foreign power is made richer, and they become the master. It's going on all over the world right now. Now, our, our Bible prophecy department here at YRM is going to have a lot to sort through with these, uh, these geopolitical realities that are emerging. My suspicion is that the West is going to push back, and it, that might resort, re, result in some kind of conflict. Revolution, because I do want a call to action here. I hope I've got your attention. I told many of the brethren here, I says, I should probably keep my car running out there because uh, you may want to hang me at the end of this ch- challenging sermon. I am not going to speak to the things you need. 
I don't have the grace for that today. Mom, those of you who have given messages, you know what it is to have the grace for something. You just say, I, I don't think I should mention that other thing today. I'll talk about this, though. I don't have the grace to talk about the things you need, where you got them from. Someday we'll enter victory and all our needs will be uh, come from a place that, that has no baggage with it. But it is reasonable to challenge everyone here, everyone, about how you are spending your discretionary money. Goof off. Everybody's got a name for it. Goof off money, mad money, luxuries, entertainment, fall off the wagon expenses. Come on, if you're one of those girls out there who has 80 pairs of shoes, isn't it reasonable to say, look, could you make sure your next pair of shoes doesn't come from a, a land that skins animals alive to get the leather? Is that, is that reasonable? And this is not a really, I don't want to make it a boycott message because that, that kind of cheapens it. I'm speaking more of your own integrity and your own contentment. Here's what I'm saying. We all like to have little gauges and indicators of where we stand before Yahweh. Don't we? We'd like to know, how am I doing? How am I doing up there? Yeah, what do you think? Where do you want me to go next? If you're so discontent, if you're so in bondage to the next shiny thing that you've got to buy it, even though it comes from the enemies of your soul, well, maybe it doesn't bother you that they're the enemies of your soul, but it bothers me that they're the enemies of my soul. So I'm saying, look, on the pathway to divine content, it's reasonable to look at what you're buying in this realm. Again, I'm not talking about necessities. I'm talking about those optional things that you've been using to pamper and powder the borders of your life. I'm going to read to you now some of my favorite scriptures on contentment. I have visuals there to drive the point home. Yahshua of Nazareth raised the dead, opened the eyes of the blind. At the Mount of Transfiguration, we're told to obey him. I don't know why the Western world, supposedly Christian in tone, fell for all this. Matthew 6, verse 19 to 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If that one corner of your ownings, your purchases, that one little corner, you find your heart resisting that? To be disciplined about where you're throwing your money for optional things? Then I have to question where your heart is at. Where's your heart at? Here's an example from the Torah, Exodus, Exodus 16, verse 20. This is about the manna. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not to Moses, but some of them left it, the manna, until the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was wroth with them. This is where they took in too much manna. How about you guys? How many times have you bought something and never touched it? You threw something in the garage and it rusted and fell apart. How many times when you moved, I've moved many times and I've helped others move, how many times have you discovered layers of unfinished projects? It took too much and it rotted, just like the manna. First Titus 6, verse 6 to 9. But holiness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. 
And having food and raiment and clothing, let us be there with content. That's a commandment. Those of you who are Hebrewites like me, that's a mitzvah. Hmm? With food and clothing, let us be with, there with content. Are you content with just food and clothing? Friends, you, know, you cannot on odd number day say, oh, it's the end times, things are going to fall apart. And at the same time, the next day, deny that we're going to be here in a place where only food and clothing is what we've got. Hard times are coming one way or the other. But they that be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. If you forget everything else I said today, with food and clothing, you have to be content. By the way, I don't want to hear any whining about the feast here. Um, The team here works so hard to accommodate everybody, and I see evidence of love and forethought everywhere on the grounds. Those of you who come from a faraway place, it's, it's their pleasure to serve you. Of course, if something needs improvement, we'd love to hear from you. If something needs a repair, we'd love to hear from you. But the gang here is really trying hard. And if something has fallen short of your needs, it's not out of, out of laziness or, or uh, disrespect. Um, we have every reason to be content at this beautiful feast site. Philippians 4.1, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Um, this is my favorite verse. Everybody has their favorite verses for stuff. Everybody has their favorite verses that are here in the heart. This is my big one. This is the big one for me. When I engrafted this passage into my heart, all of my discontent went away. Okay? I still get mad when these junky computers don't work right. You know, they, um, actually it's not the computers, it's the, uh, it's the software. But, um, but it's really great to be at a place where you're not discontent anymore. Psalm 84.11, for Yahweh Elohim is a sun and shield. Yahweh will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. If you're wondering why Yahweh doesn't give you this and give you that, you've got to learn to trust him. So many times I wanted this and wanted that, and I trusted him. I said, this, I'm, I'm going to stick to my integrity, do things your way, not try to take things into my own hands. He will not withhold a good thing from you if you're walking uprightly. So, of course, part of the equation is you walking uprightly. Well, it's a promise. He's not withholding anything from any of you right now. There's nothing he's holding back. Ooh, I want to see him squirm. I want to see her wiggle around and squirm over this. No, he is not withholding any good thing from you. If you've got food and clothing, you're doing better than most people in the world. On the other side of the world right now, there's people who are dressed in rags and scratching beans out of the ground to survive. There's no reason for anybody to complain. He's not withholding any good thing from you if you're walking uprightly. If you're not walking uprightly, go fix it. We're almost done here. Golden Gate contentment. There are gates around your house. There's the door. There's the garage door. There's the back door there through that hallway you see. Then there's incoming information, the satellite dish antenna, the Wi-Fi. Those two things at the top, the Wi-Fi and the satellite dish, those are information ports. Those are information gates. How are you managing these? 
How are you managing your gates? Here's some more gates. There's the eye of your soul. In Psalm 101, verse 3, it says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. What are you looking at? What are you, what are you casting your eyes upon? Job 31, 31.1, I'm sorry. I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? I hope this is not true here, but I have read that in a typical evangelical church, a fraction of the men there are addicted to pornography. Okay, here's the deal. You fast and pray until it goes away. Even if it takes your whole lifetime to get to victory, it's worth starting now. What are you looking at with your eyes? Are you looking at things created by men to lure you and seduce you? To make you buy and desire more than you need? Romans 10, 17. So then faith come by hearing, and hearing by the word of Yahweh. What are you listening to? How about you guys? I'm getting fed up with these newswires mingling truth and error. I'm getting fed up with these newswires. Some, some of these guys are using profanity. Now be careful if you bring a radio or a mobile device in the sanctuary and you're playing that stuff. Do you really want something like that playing in Yahweh's holy sanctuary here? Psalm 1, one, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the wicked, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Who's influencing you through the, the gates of your ears and your eyes? You control those, you get control over everything. Some of the national distractions have just irked me. National distractions, a dolphin dies on the beach, the whole nation goes into convulsions. Some retired football player who's not re- giving us a penny to the national Gross domestic product. Some football player is, is running away from the cops on a Bronco, and the whole nation is spellbound. What's the distraction of the day for you? Uh, Hollywood scandals? Um, novel gender identity issues? Ooh, that's a big one. Ooh, we got to sort that out. Oh, they want to legalize pot. These are distractions from your enem- by your enemy to get you away from things that are more important. How are you managing your touch, your smell, your taste? Well, nobody noticed that nose in the middle, huh? Uh, for those of you in the audio outreach, the nose in the middle is a dog's nose, and the taste of picture is a baby um, sampling his toe. Okay. Okay. Those don't play such a big role as, a, as the gates into your body, but they play some role. How are you managing these? Here's a quick diagram. In the middle is your very soul, your decision center. On the left is your physical senses, as your right is your spirit. And you have your eyes, ears, nose, touch, and smell going through your physical senses. Your soul is still in control. There's your instincts. Some instincts are good, some instincts have to be uh, controlled. And there's your memories. People who want to control you are playing with your memories. When you give yourself to Yahweh, you have to replace bad memories with good ones. Memorize scripture. They say some people have nightmares for a while because you're dislodging that dirt. But your soul is making decisions based on these inputs. How are you controlling these gates? Then there's Yah's spirit on the other side. Are you giving him access to your soul? Those are the spiritual influences, the people you hang around with. I guarantee if you hang around with discontented people, you will be discontented. If you let them influence you, you'll be discontented. Then you bring that garbage here. If you're already converted in these dimensions, hallelujah. 
I'm almost done. Mr. Moderator, I'm almost done. As a stepping stone to messianic contentment, let us submit our discretionary purchases to Yahweh's approval. I ask you guys to pray with me now about those discretionary expenses and see if they will enrich the enemies of our soul. Use that as a gauge of your contentment. If you're saying, oh, I really want that thing. I just got to have that thing. Then I questioned your contentment. You're not headed in the right direction. Getting ready for the end requires more contentment than I see evidence for now amongst the, the culture at large and sometimes even among us. I plead guilty as charged. How about you? Mr. Moderator. Maybe he jumped in that car I had running out back. Eh? <laughs> Brother Javon Love, where are you? Okay. You've been very patient with me. Thank you so very much.